Hey team, it's Ando here. 2022 is a big year for Australian rugby, and we at Pick and Drive Rugby want to be in the thick of it, but we need your support. We want to attend post-match press conferences to ask your questions. We need more interviews with players and coaches to give you the insights that you want into the game they play in heaven. And we want better recording equipment to create a superior listening experience for you. If you like what we do, and let's be honest, even if you don't, please consider getting involved and sending us a tip. All donations will be put straight back into the podcast. We do this for love, not money, but every little bit counts. So please go to ko-fi.com slash pick and drive rugby. You can give us $1, you can give us 5 whatever is within your budget, we would be incredibly appreciative for. Thank you for your support. Let's get back to the pod. Welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby, we're the people's podcast, providing a platform for rugby lovers to come together and support the game that's played in heaven. Match reviews, player interviews, quality rugby chat that is consistent and positive, we do it all for you. I'm your host, Ando, and I'm proud to say that I have the assistant coach of the New South Wales Waratahs with me, Jason Gilmore. Jason, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for having us on. Absolute pleasure, mate. Well, it's a Wednesday. It's been a hot day, hot Wednesday here in Sydney. What does it look like for you and the Tars in pre-season? Yeah, we've just um, come off that biggest day of training, uh, which is our Tuesday session. Um, so Wednesday for the boys is more about recovery, just getting the bodies right to, to come back in tomorrow. Um, from a coaching point of view, non-training day today. So more on, uh, more on the laptop, mate, just coding training from yesterday and getting ready for the back end of the week. So a bit more time behind the laptop today. Where are you within the preseason um, kind of schedule or plan? I mean, usually from what I've kind of ascertained, the stuff before Christmas is all about getting the boys fit, getting a few miles under the legs, and now you're tightening things up before the trial matches that are coming up in early Feb. Does that sound about right? Yeah, traditionally it is. We're, we're week 11 now. Um, probably the biggest difference this year compared to last year is because um, we had a lot more boys up in the Wallabies uh, for spring tour this year, which is great. That's that's where you want the boys to be. But um, literally, they've only just got back on the training field Monday this week, and, and we're only a couple of weeks away from our first trial. So, you know, we've probably got you know close to a dozen lads that will come back from that Wallaby tour or coming out of rehab at the moment, like Parisi and Johnson Holmes. Um, that you know, it's the first time they've been with us, so. Yeah, a little bit different from last year. We probably had a bit more time with them. So um, we're probably relying on a bit of knowledge from last year to get us through on the next couple of weeks. Yeah, good shout. So, mate, we, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. And uh, I just need to ask about the Eddie Jones news. How big a surprise was it for you and Atar's team when that dropped uh, yesterday? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, kind of rocked us a little bit. Um you know, we only had the Wallaby boys joining us on Monday, so that was the first that they'd heard about it. So we kind of went from, you know, real excitement at the TARS, getting all of our boys back together till we found that out just before our team meeting. Um, and ironically, Renz was meant to come in uh, Monday, Tuesday and spend the first two days of the week with us just going over training and um, seeing what we're doing and catching up to chew the fat about the lads as well. So... Um, yeah, it was a massive surprise, mate. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a different Monday, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, there's been in a lot of the fan chats and kind of low-key areas just a lot of um, excitement about what change could bring, but also a lot of sore feelings for the Dave Rennie and the great guy that he has really presented himself with and the tough job that he's had over the last few years as the Wallabies coach in a COVID-impacted, injury-impacted Wallabies environment. He's had an incredibly tough gig. I mean, as as seeing him go as a man, that must be really, really difficult for you as a coach to see what's happening and the immediate disruption for his life. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the one thing about Rams, if you meet him, he's, he's just a tremendous man. Um, he's a gentleman. Um, I was lucky enough to work reasonably closely with him this year or last year, sorry, with Australia A. Yeah. Um, Excellent coach. And like you said, I think people forget the first two years that he came here um, it was COVID. Um, and you only have to look at the impact that had on, on all sports. He had to navigate the squad and the staff through those two years and you know, leading into a World Cup, which is you know the, the ultimate. Um, yeah, it was, it was just um, a bit, bit weird seeing that decision, but you know the decision's been made, so we've just got to get on with it now. Yep. Well, in doing some work for this chat, I saw that you've actually spent a fair bit of your career working with the junior or the youth side of rugby development. You've had a couple of stints as a first 15 head coach, one up in Toowoomba, uh, time with the junior Reds, junior Wallabies. Is, uh, personally, I'm a school teacher. Do you have, is there an element to you in your coaching that really helps you engage and connect with younger players? And do you enjoy that developmental aspect of coaching as something that really gives you a bit of passion, gives you a bit more joy for the game? Yeah, I've always loved um, working in those spaces and and said, so, you know, what what gets me up out of bed every morning and, and charging into work is you work with people that want to achieve um, and, and to help in their journey to achieve their goals and, and make them better people and better footballers and, and see them kick on. That That's what gives me great satisfaction. And, you know, I studied physical education at university and, and the likes. So I think that whole teaching and development approach is something that um you know i've always really enjoyed from a young age do you think that that's been a really helpful background considering the uh the young some of the younger players at the tars and how much of a developmental journey they've been on particularly since like 2019 the the immense amount of change that that young group have been through yeah it's huge and you know, I was only having a chat with a few of the boys the other day. The, the Junior World Cup's back on this year for the first time since mm-hmm. 2019, which was you know, when we came runners up to France. And speaking with Willie Harris and those boys, like that's that's four years ago now. So, um, you know, I worked with Willie Harrison in 2018 when he was only a 19 year old. So, some of those boys I've worked with for five, six years. And, you know, you're watching them grow from, you know, adolescence into young men. Um, and to see them achieve and, and just be happy with what they're doing um, is excellent. Well, mate, why don't we shift across into 2022? So the Tars finished sixth during the regular season, eight wins from 14 matches. Uh, they won an opening round match against the Drua, 40 to 10. Along the way, lost both games to the Reds, had one of the best games I've ever been at, beating the Crusaders at Leichhardt. That was incredible to be there. Um, and then the following week, Highlanders, or beating the Highlanders away, I should say, and then getting bombed out by the Chiefs in the quarterfinals. It was a bit of an up and down season with some incredible highs in there as a massive Tars fan. How do you reflect on that season with a team that's still developing in DC's first full year as a head coach? Yeah, I, I look at it, I reckon it's probably the most enjoyable year that I've had coaching. Um, 
we also had a really um, tough trot in 21 and that, that was a really tough year to, to get through, um, you know, with our staff group and also the playing group, but it gives you plenty of motivation leading into 22. The way DC runs his show is very big on unity and everyone sticking together and working hard, but also enjoying the good times. And I think everyone just bought into that right from the get-go and um, he made it clear with his standards that, you know, winning was what we were chasing. And it was just great to, to turn the ship around, particularly for the boys that have been through such a tough yeah. 2021, like you lose your coach mid-season. Um, there's plenty flying around in the media. Uh, um, as a result of not winning, you're not getting boys up in the Wallaby squad, which is just the reality of it, and it's the way it should be. So there was a, there was a big knock coming out of 21, and, um, you know, that Crusaders game was just immense. Um, but just the passion. We had a... Great crowd support there. And just to see the joy on the boys' faces knocking off the Crusaders um, was just awesome. So we're hungry to keep that going this year. Different year. There's there's a lot more expectation on us this year. Um, but if you don't have expectation, then you're not a chance to win the competition. So we just have to embrace that. Um, yeah, but we're certainly – we're not looking at 22 like it's nowhere near the finished product. Like we finished six and got bundled out by the Chiefs in Hamilton – um, we've identified a couple of really key areas that we really um, have to improve on if we're, if we're a genuine chance to win this competition this year. And touching on that, can I actually ask, and feel free to be as vague or general as you want to be, what are a couple of those areas? Because there's a lot of, um, over in my mind, overly enthusiastic TARS fans that are saying it's the year of the TAR. And I'm saying, well, like, there's, there's growth, they're a good team, but they only made the quarters. So what are some of the areas that you as a coaching team are looking to improve for the team moving forward? Yeah, the, the biggest one we looked at was last year, we, we weren't a small team, but we weren't a big team. So every time we came up a big forward pack or a big midfield, like the Chiefs or the Reds, um, they're the teams that we probably struggle with at the contact point, whether that was you know, making strong, effective tackles, being able to slow their ball down and on the flip side with our ball, getting dominant carry into fast ball because we know we can attack and defend, but that contact point so crucial. Um, and we felt we just let ourselves down in and around that contact point. So, you know, there's, there's two ways to improve that. There's one to recruit it, um, which, you know, we've got guys like Namani Nadolo, um, Polu Latu, which has got Talani Siu from Tamari in. And the other ones to work hard in the gym. So you look at a guy like Will Harris. Um, he's the strongest he's ever been. He, he just benched 160 last year. His highest bench was 120. Um, he's probably put on six kilos and he's carrying it really well and probably been our best trainer or one of our best trainers over the summer. So that, that contact point's really crucial for us. When, if we actually just take a little bit of a step back, actually, because it's got excited, wanting to talk about the future there. Um, taking a step back, when DC actually joined the team, I know that he spoke um, about having, wanting to bring enjoyment back into the team, creating a tar tough culture, and then having accountability within the squad. Um, was that really just the full message that he put forward? And do you really think that that was the part of what helped turn around the fortunes of the team from 21 to 22? Was it embraced well by the team? Yeah, it was. And because the messaging was so clear um, and there wasn't white noise around it, it wasn't like there was 10 things that he wanted to see. It was very clear. Um, you know, being tar tough was definitely um, the basis of what he wanted coming into 2022. Um 
connecting the group was a really important one. So there was a lot of off-field stuff that we did with um, how we actually connected the group and, you know, just opening up and getting to know each other because, you know, the more you know about the bloke beside you, the more you're going to be tough for him. Um, and definitely accountability, like um, even for staff members, um, if you didn't know your detail or whatever, you get called out in team meetings and expected to know it and that type of stuff. So um, it, it was very clear from the get-go they were the three keys that he wanted. And um, because you knew how precise it was, you, you were just so clear in your role with what, what you had to do. Yeah, brilliant. Well, um, we mentioned Leichhardt Oval before with that really special win against the Crusaders, the fill the hill hashtag that was going around. For you, what was it like to return to a suburban ground for basically an entire season and have such a good atmosphere created amongst the fans before the move back to Allianz? Yeah, we loved it. It was almost old school. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but it holds you down thousand. So you put 10, 12,000 in it and the place is just rocking and it's such a good atmosphere and it was really parole for us and to see people, you know, you drive in on the bus into the game and to see people in their tars, jerseys and kids with flags rolling into into like that was just so special and um, it, it just connected us back with um, our fans because we're playing reasonable footy as well. They were proud to come and support their team, which is a really important part of it and we understand that. And it's a bit like the European model. Like they play, you know, in their little um, boutique stadiums of 10,000, 12,000 and I know the big stadiums are great, but if, if you put 7,000 in a 40-seater, it, it doesn't really feel like there's an atmosphere there. And particularly when you're not winning, obviously people aren't going to fall through the gate. So uh, we, we love like that. Um, we'll miss it. Um, we're hoping we'll get a big crowd for that first game against the Brumbies. And, and we know that our performances will dictate whether they come back through the turnstiles. So, yeah, sad, sad to be leaving like that. But, um, geez, Allianz is a good place to play at too. Oh, it's incredible uh, venue to go and watch some footy out as well. I've been out to a couple of games there already. And for anybody listening that hasn't been out to the new stadium, went to Leichhardt, wasn't sure about making the move, just just make the move. Transport's easy with a new light rail. The stadium is incredible. Great beer and food on offer. I should get paid to do this. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, one quick point before we move on to 2023. We had we had a couple of guys just have, I say we, so should, you have, the Tars have. Um, a couple of guys have an absolute breakout season or just an immense uh, series of matches. So Nwanganituase, Dylan Peach, as two particular players that I could name, but there are a few others like Archer Holtz who progressed really well throughout the season. Um, How do you keep their feet on the ground, but at the same time help them build for 2023, particularly someone like Nwanganituase, who was Tars, Oze, and then made his Wallabies debut? Yeah, I think the the good thing with our squad is we've just got so much depth. Um, so, you know, whilst those guys have played strongly, um, you know, you've got Nadolo, who's played for the Crusaders, played um, up in England. He's a Fijian international. You know, he hasn't come to Sydney to sit on the bench or not, not be in the 23. Um, Dylan Pichel was his first year in rugby last year, and I had that very chat about him, actually, you know, he, he played really well on that Aussie trip. Like Mikey got the raps. He, he, Mikey played really well, but geez, Dylan had a heck of a tour as well. He, he could have easily found himself on that tour. So I think there's enough competition with our squad that, you know, if you, if you have poor troll form or, or you don't train well leading into that round one, um, I think there's enough depth, genuine depth this year that not, nothing's, nothing's for certain. Like if Mikey takes his foot off the pedal, 
he'll get overrun very quickly if Dylan takes yep. his foot off the pedal. But um, we're really lucky. Like, you look at Markey, he, he didn't really nail his spot till around six last year. Um, he didn't even make our first trial team. So he, he blossomed late, but he really wants to put his foot down and round one and play a full season as well. So there's different motivations for the boys, but, you know, it's a great question. But I, I think the depth will really generate some hard training competition to, to play for us this year. Fantastic. Well, um, 2023, what are the goals for the team? Obviously, the minimum expectation would be to make the finals, make the top eight. Um, are you guys setting yourself goals of semis or is it make the finals and then take it game by game from there? Uh, we, we, we need to make the top four. Oh, I think last year proved um, if, if you don't make the top four, you don't get the home semi. And when it gets to the semifinals, having your home crowd waking up in your own bed, not having to travel is such an important factor. It's such an advantage. And, you know, last year it was great to make the quarters, but to go to Hamilton and, and play a strong Chiefs team in their, in their home, it's so much more difficult. Um, so top, top four is our aim, um, home semi-final. Um, and then we know that we can play well. So that that's what we're saying at the moment, but we've also got a full season to get through and, you know, making the finals is so difficult in this competition, but top four is their own. Yeah, especially when you see improvement from teams like Indra, they're going to be a, a handful this season with the better preseason they've had. Um, okay, so if the messaging for 2022 was enjoyment, tartuff and accountability, what's the message going out to the players for 2023? Uh, performing under pressure is our big one. Um, we know that we've got expectation on our shoulders this year. Um, we've got a quality squad. Um, if everyone stays fit and healthy, um, we feel we can win games of football. Um, you know, it's like it's confidence. So if we can get on a roll and, and build some confidence through what we're doing, then that's such an important part of it. But, you know, teams aren't going to take us lightly like last year. Um, the Kiwi teams won't rest as many players that they did against us last year. Um, we've got Wallaby stand-down periods at the moment um, for a couple of games. So... Mm-hmm. We, we, we know we have to rotate through the squad. We know we've got to have good depth in the squad. Um, so that whole performing under pressure is going to be an important piece for us. With those stand-down periods, um, my understanding is it's generally about two games throughout the season that the Wallabies players need to miss. Is that mandated to be at the beginning, middle or end, or is it's okay for the provincial coaches to make that call? No, they've given us I mean, a good change as well with, with Eddie coming yep. in as well. Yep. Um, but at the moment... Um, uh, with Renz and, and Webby, they've met with all the super head coaches to discuss the stand-down periods, but pretty much they're letting the super clubs choose when they want, but it's obviously got to be in consultation with um, with Rugby Australia. Okay, cool. And are you able to say if it was two or three matches or is it it's around that mark? Yeah, it's all different. So your, your top line Wallabies, it'll be two two okay. fixtures and then they're categorised. So some guys might be one game, other guys might be no trials. So yeah, it, yeah. it all depends on where they're sitting out with the Wallabies. Well, part of me is fishing for that because we're doing our fantasy rugby draft in about a week's time. And so it helps to know which Wallabies players will have less game time and <laughs> mean less points. So that's really good to know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I probably can't give you too much with that, but yeah. No, nah, it's all good. That's all good. Um, <laughs> can we get a bit of an injury update on Joey Walton, Harry Johnson-Holmes, Will Harrison, Izzy Parisi? Is there anybody I've missed that was had a long-term injury? Lalakai Fichetti uh, as well, actually, would be one of those. Yeah, no, the, most of those boys are getting back. Um, Isaiah had his first session back on grass yesterday with contact and running, so he's at full speed. Um, now it's just a case of building load 
um, and building contact conditioning into him over the next little bit. Um, Lullakai's back up and running. Um, he'll be a little bit slower than Isaiah, but he's where he needs to be at the moment. So he should be good for round one. Um, Holmes has just started running back on that uh, Achilles. So he'll be early in the competition, whether he's round one, not sure, but he's on track with where he needs to be. Um, and Willie Harrison's just had a, a good update from um, his surgeon on his knee. So he's back up and running, not quite back into contact or anything um, just yet because um, it's obviously a pretty significant knee injury, that one. Yeah. Um, but we're hoping he should be right for our trials. So, yeah, all, all the boys at the moment, touch wood, are, um, are on track. And Joey Walton had recovered from his – it was an ACL, wasn't it? Yeah, but he just had um, he's just had back surgery. He slipped a disc um, just before training, so he'll probably be another six-ish weeks away. Um, yeah, okay. So that that kind of just came onto our plate before Chrissy. Okay, cool, good to know. Um, okay, cool. And lastly, I guess just looking into a bit of the preseason side of things, you've got trial matches against the Brumbies and Griffith Reds in Narrabri for the Festival of Rugby. Um, number one. Are these going to be broadcast live? Because the fans would absolutely love that. And then how are you guys going to be approaching this? Um, are you going to be trying to build combinations or just get minutes into the wider squad to see how players perform? How are you going to approach? Yeah, uh, in terms of whether it's streamed, or, or I assume they'd be streamed through some format. But um, yep. yeah, mate, I, I don't know on that one. <laughs> um, and then um, just a little bit of both. So... Um, that first trial against the Brahms, you normally take a larger squad. Um, there will be some combination within that squad, but obviously um, that's giving everyone reasonable time to, to show their wares and, and fruit to their labour through the off-season. Um, that Reds game is the one that you normally, you know, the, the second game is normally the one that you start to get your combination together of the guys that you're looking for in round one for a period of that game. Um, and then that third trial, that, that's a good one this year because we'll just keep that up our sleeve. Um, hopefully the combinations in trial two go reasonably well and um, we can just give those boys a bit of time off leading into round one just to get everything ready to go. Um, but there'll still be some boys in that trial three that you know will be playing for spots, particularly for the bench um, for that round one. Right. All right. What we might do is jump into some of the fan questions just to wrap things up. And we'll start off with a question that's coming from Wilson, who says or asks, uh, you've had some decent turnover within a squad from last year. How are you bringing a new contingent up to speed in time for the start of the season? And is that a big challenge in building on last year's success? Um, the good thing was the turnover that we're chasing in the majority Um that, that was done by our own recruitment. So that was done by our own management. So it's not like we've lost guys that we didn't want to lose. So we feel like we're strengthening our squad at the moment. Um, how we get them up to speed, particularly guys like Namani coming from England, there was a lot of groundwork done prior to them hitting the training field on Zooms with um, system detail and all that type of thing. Um, and I think not having the Wallaby boys here in the preseason taking up reps has actually allowed those new guys to come in and get whether it's jumping in at inside centre for eight weeks without Lullakai there, they've actually had a lot of reps of training to then get up to speed. So now that the Wallaby boys are back, we feel it's almost like the Wallaby boys, it's their turn now. They've got to catch up to speed. Um, we had a really good pace session yesterday with the guys who have been training, trained really well. Their combinations look good. So, yeah, so whilst not having the Wallabies has been a bit of a bugger, it's been really good to put those reps into the new boys that have come in. 
Yeah, fantastic. And on that point, uh, Rev asked, should we expect to see minutes from the likes of Bowen and Jorgensen, or is 2023 primarily a development year for those two particularly, unless there's ready-level injuries within the squad? Yeah, look, you'd probably go with their age and experience. You'd think next year, or sorry, this year is more an opportunity to train full-time, get their bodies used to it. Um, whether they get minutes, it's probably more through injury at the moment. Um but I tell you what, they're training really well. Um, Jorgensen's special. Um, I've, I've got no doubt those two lads could play super rugby. I don't know what level they'd play at this year. I'm not saying they go out and carve up or anything like that. Um, but they're training really hard. So, you know, if there was an injury or two and Jorgo had to jump on a wing or, or he had to come onto a bench, we'd have all confidence that they could do a job for us. But, yeah, yeah first year in super is more just getting their bodies used to the training load and, and the rigours of playing week in, week out. Rev had another follow-up question. With the 10-plus TARS players that made it into your Oz A squad, how have you found that they have lifted as a result of that experience? And how hopeful are you that they might attract the eyes of perhaps the new international coach, Eddie Jones, who's coming in? Yeah, I think it's just the confidence that they get about playing at um, a, a different level. You know, you look at the Aussie boys who played that Nations Cup in Fiji, playing Fiji in Fiji was just immense. Um, winning over in Japan in the three-game series, again, different style of footy, different conditions. So it's just giving them a variety of experiences to better their skills and preparation. I mean, you even notice with the Wallaby boys like Jed Holloway and Dave Parecki and these boys coming back, you can just you can just see they're more confident and, um, uh, what's the word, more... Um, not committed, but uh, just the standards that they expect and train at and what they drive themselves to now. You can just tell it's high because they've experienced a higher level through the year, which can only benefit us. Yeah, brilliant. And I mean, I guess Jed Holloway had a massive year for him personally. I mean, the stories that he shared in terms of what having a second chance at Wallabies meant for him were really, really touching to see. How is he shaping up in terms of the leadership he's offering, particularly considering the really diminished locking stocks and the fact that I'm assuming he's going to be slotting in at lock, despite the fact he played six for the Wallabies uh, most of the spring tour? Yeah, yeah, he'll play lock first, Jed. Oh, I think the biggest change in Jed that we saw was it was more off-field. He went to Japan... Um, he he had his first child and through COVID he actually wasn't able to get back um, and see his little girl and, and wife and that type of thing. And it was a really tough time for him and, and even he'll say it made him really reflect on what was important for him. And, you know, Jed's not 21 anymore, so, you know, he's not old, but probably time's ticking for him to really put his foot down. And he just came back and he just matured so much and he never took anything for granted. Um and you can even see that now. He's got another one on the way. Um, he's so appreciative of playing for the Wallabies, but he's hungry to keep it going. Um, yeah, so I, I think off the field, just just the maturity that he's had in the last 18 months through his experiences has really helped him on the field. Yeah, brilliant. He's one of our favourites. Um, talking about another one of my favourites, at least, Ned Hannigan. I need to know, maybe for fantasy requirements, but it would still be interesting anyway. Um, is he going to be fitting in more within the lock or within the back row stocks? Because, I mean, the Tars have such a stacked back row that does he, because of his versatility, then get moved into locks alongside Jet? Yeah, he's got the option. Obviously, that was the same on Australia. He played a couple of games at six, and then he played the last game at lock. So, you know, any guy in that position, they want to play back row, they don't want to put their head in a scrum or anything like yep. that. But um, <laughs> look, Ned, Ned, he's, 
that he's one of the go- those guys who just puts the team first. So if he gets picked up lock, he'll, he'll put his hand up and do a job. If it's back row, he'll probably be a little bit happier. But it'll just depend on troll form. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've got guys like Talani there as well. Um, Zach Von Appen has been training really well from Sydney Uni. Um, and obviously, yeah, like you said, our back row is super competitive as well. So, But we've got the luxury with Ned. Look, if the back row is cranking, we can push Ned into the second row and, and have a really mobile pack. Yeah. And I guess that was um, part of the question that everybody is wanting to know is like, who's going to be starting at eight for the first, I guess it depends upon trial form, as you were saying, but is it going to be Gleason? Is it going to be Harris? Who's going to be at six and seven? Swinton, Gamble, Hooper? Well, obviously Hoop's at seven. Um, but how do how do we, how are you even considering and managing that? What differences do you see between those immensely talented players? You know, the positive is that they, they've all got something different to add. So you can really own your game style for a game. So if you need a really fast back rower, as we did last year, you can play Charlie at six and Hoops at seven. Um, if you need a bigger forward pack, you can play Swinson at six or Harris at six and Lonely at eight and have Charlie come off the bench. Um, but what I would say is that'll be purely down to trial form. Like Langley's obviously played Wallabies at the spring tour, did a good job, but Will Harris has been one of their best trainers. Um and come trial form, like Langley doesn't have a mortgage on the eight jersey. Um, he did a great job for us last year, but Will Harris is really pushing hard. So yep. that's where I'm really excited to see come trials. It, it's game on to get into that 23 for that first round against the Brumbies. Right, moving on to the fly halves and a perennial question of 10 and 15 at the Waratahs. Uh, Nelson Dale has asked, is the plan to share fly half minutes? And if so, how will it look with Harrison Donaldson and Tane Edmund all flourishing when given a chance? And then Sheepy has asked, what's the likelihood of Will Harrison getting the 10 jersey back? Yeah, Harrow probably at the moment um, is that guy that can cover 10, 12, 15, more that, more that utility role. Um, Tane and Ben will obviously get high minutes at training in that 10 jersey. Will's coming back from, from injury at the moment, so um, he'll have to push late. But um, I, I'd say between Benny uh, and Tane early doors, that that's where it'll come down to. We played Dono at fullback last year. Um, we played Will Harrison at fullback last year. So the beauty of those guys is um, they can play another position. Tane can play inside centre. Um but the best thing for us as Waratahs is they all want to play 5-8. So they just push so hard for each other at training. Um, and again, with the 5-8, it's a bit like Marky and Dylan. Um, Dono got the jump for the spring tour, but Tane won the series for us over in Japan. He kicked the match-winning um, goal in game two to ice the series. So on any other day, it could have been Tane on the plane going on the spring tour for the Wallabies as well. So the beauty for us is they have to perform well through trials and whoever does that gets get the 10 jersey. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a long season. Um, injuries can happen in, in multiple positions, but we're, we're really fortunate we've got the three boys with us. No, that's so exciting. Such a such an exciting crop of players coming through. Um, okay, two final questions and then we'll finish up there. Firstly, a uh, couple, couple in a defence um, area which might make you quite happy. Hugh has asked, what are the main KPIs that you look at to assess players' defence and which player in a team has the best tackle technique? Well, that's a good question. Um, our big one is in and around our contact. It's a bit like rugby league. You've got to control ruck speed in defence. Um, so if the opposition is getting fast ruck ball, it, it's really hard to set your line, get line speed and then get good contact. So we work really hard on our time and tackle. Um, controlling ruck speed is really crucial. So that's our number one thing that we look for at the Waratah. So our contact's really important. 
Um, best defender, probably best all-round defender for us last year was Charlie Gamble. Um, he, he topped the tackle counts most weeks and also led Super Rugby in turnovers. Um, he's just ferocious in, in what he does. Um, he's got a lot of tools at his disposal. He's got a great jackal. Um, he hits hard. He's very powerful, Charlie. Um, it, it was a really good discus thrower um, in New Zealand and underage. They actually toured the world doing world championships as a junior um, as a thrower and at his size he's not a he's not a tall guy like those throwers but that's just the power that the guy has um dave Precky's another one he, he's vicious dave he loves his line speed and loves his contact really leads our middle forwards well um and out wide i, I thought we really fortunate to have lullaby and isaiah as our center pairing um big powerful men yeah. um that did a good job for us out wide but yeah if i had to give the gong to someone um from last year i believe that charlie was was our best all-around defender last year awesome he gets the trophy all right final question coming in from fan and waratah favorite ed craig uh who in world rugby has the most unique defense system um your next a good one. Um, I probably think at test level, there's probably a couple like Ireland through Andy Farrell are very big on um, condensing their their line, but going heavy with line speed. So they're they're a massive line speed um, hold up style of team. Um, they don't really tackle that low. That they look to get time and tackle by holding guys up, which has worked really effectively for them. Um, Czechs use that really well with Argentina. Same with Argentina. They look to hold players up versus always chopping them on the ground constantly. Um, and probably a provincial team a couple of years ago was Saracens. How they used their halfbacks off scrum defence and that type of stuff. Jamie Roberts, when he came across with us last year, he really opened our eyes to a couple of the different ways that the Europeans were defend- defending offset piece. And Saracens were probably leading the way with that from what we'd seen. Brilliant. Well, mate, thank you for your insights and thank you particularly for your time this evening during preseason. Um, from me, all I can say is up the Waratahs. Hope they're going to take the entire competition out and uh, very, very excited for the opening match at Alliance against the Brumbies. We'll definitely be seeing you there. Thanks for your time. No, I appreciate it. The boys are pumped and uh, I'd say get down to Alliance and that round one. It's going to be a cracker. It really is. Thanks again. Catch up. Thanks, mate.